0: Hey, hi hey, please thank you so much for coming back oh, done. Oh, we're on. We're
1: on. Yeah.
0: We, we called dr. avery but so he's gone
1: uh yes he's out of the country he'll be we, back he'll be wow we
0: need your help
1: this is this is overpowering it's getting worse so, yes it certainly down. doesn't like that i'm here and i cannot help you what in fact i've got to get out of here no, this no, thing no, is no, very no, aggravated the fact that so i'm here, here. wait this wait, is wait, not...
0: wait everybody calm down we need your help
1: well, I've got to tell you, I am not the person to help you in this situation. This is not my area of expertise. I think I'm doing more harm being here than any good. Yes, I really have got to leave. And Dr Avery will be back in a few days. And when he gets back here, he'll take care of no, all no, your no, problems. what should we do? Need, should we help? Should us. we leave? Should we and leaving? won't help at all. Let me see what I can do. But I've, I've got to leave this room right now. This is no joke. I will help you. I will help you. But I can't do this right no, now. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. Serious? Jesus. the only thing we have
1: to fear
0: is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I
1: look like someone who cares what God thinks? Listening to the Fear of God, a podcast exploring the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode. Of the Fear of God podcast, it's my favorite podcast. If I had to wager a guess, I'd say it might be your favorite podcast. Uh, with you right now is Nathan Rouse, one of your illustrious co-hosts. Typically, with me is Reed Lackey. He he was kind of in a hurry. He said something about needing to step away for a moment. To go cover the floor in powder. I, it's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like baby powder. Or you know. What other kind of powders are there? It's not really coming to me at the moment. What other types of powders there might be in the world. But talcum powder. Um, that's a thing. Um, maybe when Reed gets back. He can fill us in on exactly what kind of powder. He put on the floor. For whatever purpose that was. While he is doing that though. In case you needed reminding, um, every, everybody needs a little reminder every now and then a little to do list. This is your honey do list. If you haven't already go subscribe to us on iTunes, if you haven't already go leave us a rating and or a review on iTunes, if you haven't already come find us on the Facebook fear of God podcast group, we do have a page, but we've also just recently launched a group where people like Vera Gowdy post really gross pictures of her food Um, which is cool, but gross, but respect, mad respect Vera. Um, so yes, please do go do those things. We're on Instagram fear of God podcast. I think is the name of it. Um, we're everywhere, anywhere you can find us. We're on Twitter. We're just, we're sitting right next to you. Boo. Boo. Um. So, Reed, you're back. <laughs> 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 wow. you're and back. It, it actually you're wasn't
1: back. powder; it was flour that I was spreading all flour, over. The, flour, flour, spreading all over the floor. Yeah. Is that what they do in that thing? I don't is know. I actually, actually think they. do. I think it's like powder. I think it's baby powder. powder. Baby powder, sugar. Something. I don't know. It's not sugar. It's not sugar. It's definitely not that. Right, I will fine.
0: affirm <laughs> that because demons <laughs> demons eat sugar. Speaking um, of
1: affirmation, though, Vera. I thought your face hugger chicken was amazing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Oh eat no! It. I can't speak to how it tasted. It was it am- amazing. It was amazing.
0: It just. It was gross. <laughs> and every time that day that Vera posted that face hugger chicken, and I happened to scroll on Facebook, it would pop up like, "Oh god!" <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, wow, that's all. Awesome. So that was what. Happened. So what other powders are there? Mm, Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure that's the noise everybody in the house made that night.
1: What mm. other powders are I mean, I don't know talcum powder I already said makeup that one. makeup powder uh powder mm. the film, which is what not, not that great what powder the you've film se- you've seen the you've seen the film powder or heard of the film oh
0: powder. oh, right, right right. I thought you meant like. As a verb, powder the film. I was like, "What does that even mean?" Right, well, there's, right.
1: There's makeup powder. I mean, every lady says that they're going to go powder right. those. You know, yes, so yes, yes. I mean, I don't know. This is your
0: assignment, everybody. Join the Facebook group and tell us what other kind of powders there's, exist in the world. Because it is late. It is Kung, late.
1: Kung powder? Chi- Kung powder chicken? No. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> uh,
0: hey, Reed. You know what's been fun is like. I don't know why we started well, I know why we did to kind of coincide with what's coming in terms of the hundredth anniversary of our podcast. Sure. Hundredth episode of an anniversary. Um
1: hundredth anniversary. We'd do it. I know, this a I know.
0: Time. Oh, this movie was so scary.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> uh,
0: my teeth fell right out. I don't know. Um, the Facebook group has been a lot of fun. It's oh been my gosh. Yes. Wild. Like I can't keep up I and I'm not even that busy, but I can't keep up. Oh, uh, we've got, yeah. We've I mean, got some
1: great conversations going on there. I am pretty busy
0: actually, but <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot going on in the Facebook group. It's been a lot of fun watching everyone, you know, interact. Um, we are doing, we, by the time this airs, we'll have already done our first East coast fear of God movie meetup. Hereditary. I may be dead by the time this airs (laughs) out of fear. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff happening in the Facebook group. There's a lot of fun stuff happening in the fear of God. Socials come find us. We would love to interact with you, to engage with you, to hear what your favorite movies are and see your food uh, that you make in celebration of horror movies. (laughs) <laughs> so, Reed, today we are on our very last Blumhouse production. The ultimate, yes, the ultimate entry yes. in this series. Not to be confused with The Ultimate Warrior. Um, <laughs> before we get too far down that road, Reed, I just got to know what you're watching. What you're reading. Mm. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you listening? What are you listening? What are you listening to? Wow. Nice
1: little pop on the, <laughs> yeah, on the end of it.
0: That's a fun sound effect. I love, uh, speaking of the Facebook group, I love that I'm going to feel like an idiot. His name is Christopher, but I can't remember his last name now because I'm not looking at it. Oliet. Oliet. Tell us. Tell us how to say your last name, Christopher. Mm-hmm. I think it was Christopher who posted a really loud version of what you're watching, reading, and listening to. And it's just been fun watching everybody talk about what they're watching, reading, and listening to. So shout out Those to all ones. of you. So in this moment, particularly though, Riri, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to?
1: I got six words for you. Okay. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Do you know that reference? Um, I believe you might be referring to one karate kid that's exactly right because what I've been watching with my <laughs> with my lovely wife is I've been watching the youtube red or slash youtube t v original series and it's oh i thought to that. i thought it was i thought it was youtuber
0: YouTuberd, uh, <laughs> YouTuber'd. Like, like you smell something in a group of people like youtuber <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no oh uh, i tubered. who. Who-tu-ber'd? who-tuber'd? Tuber. Oh, I, I tubered. Oh my gosh. youtuber I, I will never I be able to unsee that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But no, so, right, so you've been you've been you've been YouTubering. I've been YouTubering uh the ten episode series Cobra Kai. And I gotta tell you, man, I was excited when I saw it for purely nostalgia reasons. Like when I saw that they were doing it, I was like, oh, that's great. Uh Cobra Kai, they're continuing the Karate Kid series. That's awesome. But I am extremely impressed, genuinely, legitimately, hold up against any objective standards. Extremely impressed with the writing, this the, with the this characterization. Is this the one with Hillary Swank? No. No, that's called The Next Karate Kid. And <laughs> I know, I the know. The less said about that, the better. Um, no, this is, uh, for those who don't know, the original Karate Kid saw one Mr. Danny LaRusso uh, learning karate from Mr. Miyagi and then going on in the All-Valley Tournament to fight against uh, Cobra Kai, the Cobra Kai Dojo, um, and specifically a rivalry against one of the Cobra Kai's shining stars, one Johnny Lawrence. Well, I'm gonna
0: put him in a body bag! Ah!
1: <laughs> well, in this series it picks up 34 years after the original Karate Kid. Johnny Lawrence and Danny LaRusso are obviously, um, uh, they're adults, and they're moving on with their lives. In many ways, they've kind of swapped places from where they were in the original series. Uh, Don't want to spoil too much, don't want to say too much, but I just, I am extremely impressed with the writing, with the characterization. They've done a really interesting thing. They've managed somehow to make two protagonists and two antagonists i am astounded with every episode i'm astounded with how much i care about each of those two individual characters and how much i am frustrated at each of those two individual characters i mean they've they've really weaved a very intricate and complex and fascinating dramatic story that i do think is slightly de- like if you're listening to this and you have never seen the original Karate Kid, I do think a lot of the sort of joy might be missing. Lost? Yeah, it might be a little lost on you because they make a ton of call outs. But for those who are thinking, oh, this might just be a nostalgic cash grab, like they're just leaning only on the nostalgia, I can I will kick back against that like a roundhouse to the face because that is. What I thought could have been just an opportunity for, you know, just indulgent nostalgia, they have crafted a very compelling, really interesting, legitimately moving, fascinating story. And I love it. Cobra Kai is legit. Cobra Kai forever. It is awesome.
0: And you're like, live or die, man. Live or die. No. And he's like, die. And you're like,
1: wrong. That is from a different movie.
0: No, it's not. It's from Karate
1: Kid. Part two. Okay. Well... Cobra Kai's not in part two except well right but
0: but well okay see I mixed the two there because Mr. Miyagi does the the nose honk at the end of the first one
1: right no he doesn't I think he does he doesn't do the nose honk at the end of the first one The end of the the end of the first one ends with him smiling and grinning. I mean, spoiler alerts for Karate Kid, but it ends with him smiling Oh, right, right, right. Whereas, you know what I'm
0: thinking of? Is the very beginning of two, which is immediately after the tournament. Yes. So yes, yes it's correct. That's Kid. what I'm remembering.
1: Yet again Reed
0: Lackey is yes. right and Wow. <laughs> I wasn't I'm teasing. I, mean, you. I didn't know. I didn't know the stakes were that high. I didn't know we were like Johnny and Danny here. Well, you know, man. I've, I've been watching a lot of Cobra Kai, so I'm getting a little aggressive. I can tell you. You've got that like crane kick going. <laughs> Just cool it down, oh my lackey. Gosh. You oh know, my mercy God. is for the weak. Oh man, it's um, so I'm with you. If you had told me six months ago, hey, they're making a a Karate Kid spun off YouTuber show, I'd have been like, ha, that's stupid. Mm. But I saw the trailer and thought,
1: Hmm, that looks pretty compelling. And I will say this, the first, two, the first two episodes are available to view for free. Doubters go check out YouTube, watch the first two episodes. I would venture to say you will likely either sign up for the service, or if you already have the service, you will continue the series. Cause it's very, very, very good. It's really strong. And then, and the, then in that first one, when he does the drum punch, you remember that is also in, <laughs> part two how recently and have you seen part two because clearly peter, C- peter Cetera serenades him that is also in that's a in that's a great two. soundtrack well yes it's a great soundtrack the first one is a great soundtrack too, i know sec- i know i'm just playing the with you one's right got now the glory of love i know i know second, uh, oh the second one does have the
0: glory of love se-
1: second one's got the glory of love but the first one's got you're the best around and there is no <laughs>
0: nothing's ever gonna keep you you oh my you're gosh
1: yes that's, that's great oh it's so fantastic it's, it's classic so fantastic. um but we need and to move just, on we need to move on he just
0: mr Miyagi just rubs his hands and then touches him that's um, a weird that's a weird movie <laughs> <laughs> it's the revisionist take it's on,
1: a, <laughs> on karate kid it's such a bad description it's like <laughs>
0: that's what he does but that's how it that's how he wins because that's how he heals him him. (laughs) this old man just (laughs) (laughs) under his shirt oh my gosh so inappropriate no 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 so So, yeah so what yeah that's that well my my watching and listening so i went to see you two in concert the other week me too and yeah you too youtubered and (laughs) (laughs) and they played some songs oh i went to see you two on the youtuber um so this is going to be a weird statement to make and it's going to make me a little sad to make it but it does have a a nice uh uh, upswing by the end of it so i i am i was slash maybe still am a a diehard youtuber Mm -hmm. two fan Mm -hmm. um uh I have I think at this point i was trying to count recently I think I've seen them 9 times and wow I had a pretty uh, due to some associations my my sort of starry eyed love for them got kind of tarnished a bit uh uh a number of years ago but not through no fault of the band zone um, and it's taken a little while. It's taken a little while for me to regain my sort of affection and appreciation. I still enjoy all the music. I, I, I like the most recent album a lot. Yeah. Um, I took my kids and my wife to see the Joshua tree tour last year and it was fun being able to take my kids, but I had weird feelings about that show. Cause it was like, oh man, it's, it's Joshua tree, which is a good album, but I don't know that. I I felt at the time like I'd have rather seen new material. So anyway, this this current tour rolls around. I went with my siblings to Atlanta to see them and just had this weird feeling of like, am I which is not uh patting myself on the back as much as sort of a sad statement. I I had this weird feeling of had I outgrown live you two. Oh um, okay. which is kind of a sad statement to say out loud. That's sure, why I preface right, it the way I did. Right. To their credit there were a couple of couple of staging elements of the of the show that really helped swing a certain back a certain direction one that's a bit incidental but fun that I think you'll enjoy. Do you remember i mean have you seen images or footage of mephisto the kind of devil character yeah, that mm-hmm. Bonner created yes well. He he has brought McFisto back, but in a really inventive way. So on their B stage, U2 is notorious for having their main kind of stage and then a sort of walkway, a catwalk out to the center of the stadium or arena or whatever for their kind of B stage. Well, on their B stage, it's much more intimate. It's smaller. There aren't as much pyrotechnics. for this particular tour. This sort of camera element rises up on the rim of the circle. And it's it's meant to look like a vanity, you know, like a backstage vanity look. So it's got like uh, light bulbs around it, but it's a camera. And so it's showing on the monitor Bono. Well, they have created this is actually it was very cool, uh, although rather biting. Um, They created this like Snapchat filter. So instead of having the like makeup and stuff on. Yeah. yeah. He's this, this demonic kind of McFisto face digitally appears on him
1: every time he looks into that. Yeah. Yeah. On the monitors
0: and he's talking in that voice. And here's, what's fascinating about you two. You two, They remind me a lot of you in some ways, Reed. (laughs) they, They are utter diplomats, right? Like they are, they are gracious and they are third way type of, talkers and walkers, more or less, um, they will be, they will compel you while at the same time encouraging you. So they, that's the kind of line they walk. Well, McFisto comes out and the teeth come out and, oh, and my goodness at, in character, imagine kind of a wormwood CS Lewis type scenario. He starts talking about his friends, Putin and Trump. Oh, yes, it is intense. No. Yes, it wow. is intense. It is intense. And I was like, Whoa, I just woke up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that happens. And it's a really interesting part of the set. Well then, and this is what really, I will say I got emotional and it really kind of reinvigorated me towards not just that particular set, but kind of the whole, the whole vibe. So I know you're familiar with much of their oeuvre, but they're playing staring at the sun and it's just Bono and edge on the B stage. There's this really cool visual graphic on the physical stage of a sun, like they're actually walking on the sun. Yeah. Well, he introduces this song. Uh, if you don't know their material very well, this is on pop, staring at the sun. Um, it's a really cool song. Well, I had never given it a ton of thought. Well, as he's introducing this song, he says he himself says, Bono says, I've I've never totally known what this song is about, but I think it's about willful blindness, is how he the phrase he uses. Mm. Willful blindness, and he says, of a person of a family of a country. And then they start playing staring at the sun while they're for the entirety of staring at the sun. Read are is footage of alt-right and neo-Nazi rallies happening right now. Oh, wow. That's the entirety of the song. And it is, it is a punch to the gut Mm. because you're like, Oh my God. You know, that feeling where like you, you, we watch our phones and it's in isolation and it's, there's, it's this very sort of private experience, even though it's really not whatsoever. Of course. Um, and then suddenly maybe you see a news program all together with coworkers or peers or whatever, and suddenly the world feels like a world to you again. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, when that was happening, I mean, there's 30,000 people Mm. in this room and they're playing "Staring in the sun. It's just Bono and edge and above with no audio of the video. Right. Sure. It's just this parade of hate mm. and willful blindness. And the music, the the lyrics of that song is, you know, this idea that you're staring at this one thing and aren't seeing any of the things around you will read. This is where like I got really swept up in it. So they're, they're finishing staring at the sun and it ends the footage ends and it just fades into MLK, mm, the, uh, an, ima- yeah. an image of MLK, and they go into pride in the name of Really? Love. Oh, wow. And then the entirety of that song is footage of civil rights marches and movements and modern day protests. Dang. And uh, yes, it was powerful. Wow. You know, wow. And the crowd is going nuts and the full band joins in on that song. It was really it was really something else.
1: Oh, that's awesome. man! Um, That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. That is that, that is just a slice of what I've been watching and what I've been reading. And frankly, what I've been listening to.
1: That is, that's impressive. You know what? Uh, there's a part of me that would love to try to do what you're watching, reading, listening to in the tune of pride. I know. Yeah. 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 I I, I, I don't know that I'm going to work on that. I'll, I'll I'll bust it out one time. Come back next yeah. week. Yeah, in a in a in a future episode, I'll just make it a surprise, and I'll just bust out in uh, yes. pride in the name of love. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, before we dive into our episode proper, uh, I want to oh, yeah. briefly bring us up to speed. We've now got the results back from the slashers. <laughs> oh boy! Um, but we are going to introduce our final <laughs> bracket of um, the monster mash. Yes! So um, our final bracket of the Monster Mash is... After- I also
0: love... I know I referenced how I forget you did this and then I remember and I'm reminded sure, that I love it. Sure, sure. Like, I also love that you play it under us. So right now I'm imagining that it's playing under us because <laughs> it's kind of playing under us on the actual <laughs> thing. It's so true. <laughs>
1: um, Okay, so this is the final sort of bracket category uh, in our Monster Mash. Um, this is the Spirits category. So we've had monsters, humans, slashers, and then here goes Spirits. So these are your... Uh, battles uh, for these and then next week we will reveal the uh, results of the monsters and humans winners and who advanced in those brackets so here is your spirits bracket first up we have Pazuzu, which is the uh demon haunting reagan in the exorcist we have Pazuzu going up again is that is that named i can't remember is that
0: character is that creature named in the movie or is that just you have to kind of know uh,
1: it is named in the book, but okay. in the but in the film, the name is never spoken. It's it's brought up later, but uh, but it's named in the book and in any sort of external uh, information about the film. They they call it Pazazu. Um, gotcha. So but basically. Oh, and you know what? I guess technically you could consider that the film names it, even though it's never spoken. If you were look on like title credits and stuff, uh, sometimes uh, in the chapter titles depending on what version of the dvd you have it references pizazu so pizazu from the exorcist is going up against black philip from the witch oh so black philip my bro this is gonna be ah. this is gonna be crazy um so then, then that's yeah awesome oh, that's intense that's, i don't Whoa. i don't know who's coming out of that but i'm
0: scared to see now that is it is it black philip is it as a goat or as as or as you know listeners get to decide
1: the goat man yeah <laughs> listeners get to decide so um so black Philip going up against pizazu next battle we've got the blair witch going up against it from it follows who we affectionately at the fear of god Whoa. Call
0: jimmy <laughs> jimmy
1: <laughs> welcome back jimmy welcome back jimmy <laughs> that's hilarious so the blair witch wow. is going up so against blair it.
0: witch and jimmy that's I like these matchups. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, man. So, for those who have not heard our episode about It Follows, I am referring to the. You spe- should go. You should go hear it. Listen but to that. I'm referring to. We call him Jimmy. Uh, you'll hear why in the episode. But uh, the spectral entity uh, from It Follows. So next we have Samara from The Ring, um, the you know girlish creature who wanders out of the TV screen. We have her going up against the Babadook. So... Ah, bah, no. Yes. No. Exactly. No. In one of the oddest... I have no idea even how to categorize what this battle would look like. Death slash fate, however you want to characterize it, from Final Destination, is taking on Beetlejuice. <laughs> what? <laughs> You can put anything up against Beetlejuice, and my money's on Beetlejuice. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see. So, yeah, fate or death from, Beetle, from uh, Final Destination is going up against Beetlejuice. Um, nice effing model. <laughs> hang hang. Next, the, the very freakish uh, Grim Reaper from the uh, not-talked-about-enough film The Seventh Seal um, is going up against the devil himself from Rosemary's Baby. So, uh, that is, yeah. I've not seen either of those. Oh, man. They're, they're freaky, freaky films. Um, next we have, uh, you know, spoiler alert for today's episodes. We have The Demon from Paranormal Activity going up against another Blumhouse staple, Bagul from Sinister. So, Oof. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have two more matchups. Um, uh, the, uh, next to last one is The Ancient Ones. From the cabin in the woods, that is the uh, the mm. ancient uh, presence behind the entire conceit of the cabin in the woods. The ancient ones is going up against poltergeist, so this is this is one I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how this one's going to shape yeah. out because um, we don't know. Yeah, listeners, you decide. You get to decide all these, and then the third is or the final one is a is another three way battle. Um, what there will only be one winner emerging, but there will be a three way battle between Zool from Ghostbusters. Nice. The Hill House Ghosts from The Haunting. And the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. So, all three of those will be duking it out to see who will emerge. Uh, the spirits category is is probably gonna be like the humans where it's gonna be really tough. Probably some neck-and-neck neck races. Um, but, uh, we'll see. That's a, that's a fun, uh, that's a fun rundown. Yeah. No, I'm very excited about it. So, yeah, listeners, go over. The survey is on the Facebook page. It's in the Facebook group. It's on uh, Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere you want to be. So, um, so yeah, without further ado, speaking of spirits, you ready to dive into this film? Let's do it. Okay. So this this movie is one of those rare films. Um, so shout out Blake Collier because he, he – he, uh references frequently how this is the only film that like terrifies him and makes him lose sleep and you know makes him do all kinds of crazy things he would never do but um well they're not like out in a field or anything like <laughs> just in a bedroom <laughs> but um so so yeah paranormal activity is an interesting film to me i'm almost more fascinated by the story around how it was created and yeah. released than i am the film itself so it was totally, you know, let's dive into some trivial bits a little bit. The um, uh, Oren Pelly, if I'm saying his name correctly, um, Oren Peli, uh sort of fashioned this film very, um, very guerrilla style filmmaking. They just set up stationary cameras. Um, I, th- I read somewhere. Uh, this is kind of conflicting reports because I read somewhere that it was all filmed using cell phone cameras. Uh, But then that's what I read. uh, But then I also read elsewhere that they used like stationary sort of old school camcorders on tripods, but I, but I'm not sure I, I I have heard more frequently that it was all done through cell phone cameras. Um, But so the film was created and then they were trying to sort of get some, some heat behind it. It filmed, it screened at a festival where it was seen by one Jason Blum and, and keep in mind that when Blum saw it for the first time, uh, I believe he was working for Miramax at the time. And, yes. And he... Well, Weinstein, but yeah. yeah. But, uh, so he was working for them at the time, and Blumhouse Productions was not an entity. He had not created Blumhouse right. Productions. Uh, but he saw it and was very intrigued by it, and uh, I think he outright bought the film, bought the distribution rights for the film. Um, but then steadily along the way, while they're trying to sort of get some development and distribution for how to sort of get this film out there, it came under the eye of one Mr. Steven Spielberg who everybody that saw it responded very positively to it. But then what eventually emerged and I love this part is they were ac- there was actually discussions about completely remaking the film with a, you know, with a full budget, a major budget and having Orin Pelley be the director of this new production. But Jason Blum and Pelly and a couple of others who had been attached to the original version of the project were like, Give us one screening. Just let us screen it one time for an audience. And then we'll see. We'll see what the reaction is like. So then one of the producers I think his last name was Goodman. One of the producers saw a bunch of people exiting the theater during the screening. They were leaving before the movie was done. And he was like, oh, crap. It sucks. You know, so he walked out and started like having some conversations with some of them. Turns out they had all left because they were terrified too terrified to continue watching the movie. And they had to get out of there. And that's what kind of tipped him over that like, yeah, we don't need to remake this. This film just needs to be what it is. So then rather than remake it, they tweaked it. They changed the ending. Uh, This film had something like four different separate endings. Um, I saw that. Now uh, I think we both watched it through the same Avenue. Um, I think we both watched it on prime, which as of this recording is available to stream, but that changes you know, all the time. What's on? I watched it on Hulu. Oh, you watch on Hulu. Um, But I think, uh, I think we probably saw the, the same ending as it were. But the very first time I saw this film, I actually saw the very original ending. The one that was only screened theatrically that one time for that very specific audience. Do you know the disparate endings? Do you know the different ones? I mean, for thematic conversation, I, I,
0: I read about them. I don't, I do totally remember all the differences, but yeah, I did read. about. So them.
1: the version that I saw when I first saw the film is the one where at the end of the film, uh, she awakes as if from a trance Katie awakes and she's holding a bloody knife. Mika is nowhere to be found. Uh, but she's holding a bloody knife and then the police raid the house. And when the police raid the house, they are um telling her, drop the knife, drop the knife. She's trying to listen, trying to say like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking? What are you what are you saying? And she doesn't drop the knife and they gun her down. And then it ends with them like, you know, sort of wandering around. And
0: well, I think the, the to to tweak that a little bit, it, correct me if I'm wrong. But what I read was in that version, it's not that they just sort of haphazardly gun her down she a, a a conflagration ensues where she's confused or not putting it down. Well, that the demon slams a door and it startles them. That is they true. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Take her, yeah, they take her down. Yeah.
1: when the, yeah. So it's almost an accident that they fire right, the first right. shots. Yeah, that's that is true. That is correct. Um, so which it, I got to admit that I actually like the ending. We eventually get better. I think it's a little bit more shocking, but I don't mind that ending on a theoretical level. I don't mind the police coming in ending. Um, I think it still works. And then there's, there's another ending that I think is a bonus feature on the DVD where she walks up to the camera and, like slits her own throat or something it's pretty graphic. yeah yeah yeah. that was another i have never seen that one i've only ever seen that original ending where the cops invade and i've seen obviously the the theatrical what eventually became the theatrical cut which is the ending that we that we get with this film but
0: well and it's wild because the um your reference of the Spielberg story and their initial desire to just scrap it and, and start over with a bigger budget and what have you, they were going to put this version like on the home release, yeah, like yeah. just sort of an extra. And I think I read too, I don't know, ultimately, I, I would like to hope this changed on their behalf, but... Those two performers ultimately only got like five hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, I think so. They were paid very little. You know, yeah. The shoot and of, and yeah. similar to Blair Witch, which is another found footage film. Uh, the the film made multiple millions of dollars, like into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I mean, it was just a- well. And the the um accolade I read and even it it
0: acknowledged there's some variance here, but kind of reference it as the biggest moneymaker of its kind, like. It costs so little to make and made so
1: much. Now, let me ask you, have you seen all the others? I have only seen as of this recording. I've only seen the second one. I have not I'm vaguely familiar with sort of where the story goes in the future installments. But as of this recording, I've only ever seen the second one, which ironically, my wife and I tried to watch the second one uh, because she watched the first one with me. She made me watch it in the middle of the daytime with all the lights on and the blinds open so the sun could pour in. But we watched it. Sure. Um, And then the second one we tr- we started and because i'll just say because of a a plot point um it got kind of too freaky for her we could we couldn't quite make it through it i eventually went back and and finished it um but then that is as far as i've gone in the series i've been wanting to check out the third one cuz i hear the third one's pretty good
0: yeah i went i went down the rabbit hole of wikipedia and reading all the plots and stuff like it sounds intriguing i mean i i I wonder if the concept would start to wear thin, but, but I don't know.
1: Well, it's weird too, because this is really, I mean, it is an exercise in kind of what we talked about last week with Insidious about how once they show you the further, you know, your own imagination is probably much stronger and much more powerful than anything that they could show you. And this film is absolutely an exercise in that because you, you don't ever see this thing. Uh, You hear it. Uh, pretty frequently, but what you hear is able to incite such dread and terror that it is, um, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. And then the, um, the other thing, too, is that it is very, because this camera is, the, the freakiest moments in it are in the middle of the night. The camera is stationary. Right. It's also an exercise in, hey, you don't need bombastic, like, uh sure, manipulation sure. of music or stuff like that to create legitimate scares like it's it's really it, you can be very subtle very understated and still create something tremendously effective and i think it's impressive in that regard
0: well and it this would probably bridge over to like dislikes but um i had seen it uh a number of years ago at this point maybe half a dozen maybe a little more on Halloween. It was, it was one of my, it was one of my kind of, my wife doesn't really get into these, but you know, kind of one particular Halloween when I'm wanting to watch something, that was the one I chose. And it was very effective at that viewing. Um, The second viewing, it wasn't quite as effective, but the point I'm trying to make is I, I do love you referenced a minute ago, the nighttime scenes, because I think, I think the second viewing I appreciated it more as a film experiment sure. than as a yeah. film. But that said, as an experiment, it works really well. Oh yeah. it does. Um, yeah. But those nighttime sequences, even just conventions like the, the timestamp cycling really quickly and then stopping oh or slowing down so to great. standard. And your eyes are just like, glued to the screen like where is what gonna happen yeah um so it's it's a pretty effective uh as far as that
1: oh yeah absolutely and that's one of my you know if, if we're pivoting into likes dislikes that's one of my loves is i love um i feel like that's an inventive and a and an effective choice to just set up this stationary thing i love that it just Fast forwards through things and then when it slows down like you like we've talked about, you know, we referenced it follows earlier. There are some films that just demand your attention that demand that you watch the screen and that's a moment that does that. But even later when she's like standing up by the bed and looking out and it's and then she's standing up by the bed but then it fast forwards and it shows you that she stands yeah, there for yeah. a couple of hours and it's like oh yeah, my it's gosh great. so their their overall use of that device is tremendously inventive and effective i think
0: totally well it's <laughs> it's funny last week i referenced my method of watching insidious in terms of the headphones for paranormal activity Similar sort of scenario. I was, it was just me. I had my headphones on. I was laying in the bed. I had the door to the room open. Oh my gosh. So I could look down the hall. So listen to me on my TV is the image of their bed with the door to the left. Okay. Open. Right. Every right. time it cuts right. to that nighttime sequence. In the real, I'm watching from my bed, and the door to the bedroom is to the left of the TV. Oh, no. So, it's like, in TV, bed, open door. Out of TV, open door. Read. I don't know that we've talked about this before, but my middle child has occasionally sleptwalked. Oh, my god! And, yeah. And I'm totally like, man, I am going to freak the flip out if my child just starts room in the yes. house like yes. i'm gonna lose i, I am going to lose it and but yeah you know you start thinking about all oh these things gosh. all i could think about is why the hell are they leaving the door open who does <laughs> that nobody leaves the door open
1: in the middle of the night unless you're shooting a movie and you have to oh my gosh. Like, Oh my gosh. Well, it's like we do because, and this is what's so interesting about it. They don't have any children, but we do, we do just, you know, for entry and access to our, you know, to our son. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's, and, and I will say that like, so I think I've seen this film now. I think this like Insidious, I think this was my third viewing of it. And this time around going into it, I was very sort of shruggish about it. I was like, okay, yeah, I've seen paranormal activity. I know the blah, blah, blah. But yeah, like I watched it late at night and, and I've, you know, I'm sitting there. Most of the lights are off in the house. And for me, it's like, you know, my son didn't come trotting out of bed, but I can hear him moving around in his bed. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I hear the sheets rustling or something. And I'm like, what? What? Is that is that on the film? Is that here? What where was that? Um, so yeah, it was it, it it got to me a little bit. I think those scenes are 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 pretty effective. Um, not to mention the fact though that like as it sort of amps up, one of the most terrifying moments in the entire film is when her leg when she's freaking like dragged out. Oh bed. my gosh! I don't know how they pulled that off, but that that works. <laughs> that shot works. It's terrifying.
0: <laughs> the first time I saw that movie six, seven Halloweens ago, whatever it was, I went back to the bedroom and you better believe it's funny. These little notes in movies sometimes that are so strangely specific. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Like the night after I watched this movie for the first time, you better believe I did not have a foot out from <laughs> under <the covers> that <laughs> yes. night. Well, even rewatching it for this, that scene is on its way. And I'm tucking the blanket up yeah, under no, my feet. No, no. And I'm no. like, hell no, no. no, demon guy, you're not getting <laughs> not me. Not tonight,
1: Satan. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: I- well, let me let me ask you this. So we're in likes, dislikes. This is sort of category- categorizes this way. Like maybe I was less attentive this time around, or what, or something. But I, I did not get when I first saw this movie, whenever it was. To me, in my memory, it was very scary. Okay, and and I do and I do think when it's scary, it's very scary. Rewatching it, I'm fully anticipating kind of getting back in that headspace and zone, and it just it didn't click for me. Interesting mm. this time around. Like yeah. I I think again respect to the experiment. I think as a movie, it just wasn't. The two of them annoyed me really bad this time. Meek is terribly annoying to me. Oh my she, god, she well, one, to a lesser degree. Who the hell? But... Who's who? His name's not Mika. That's a <laughs> that's a Hollywood name. His name is Micah. Give me a break.
1: You know what I think is funny about that is I think that's actually their real names. And oh yeah, so, that's definitely the actors' names. And and I'm not.
0: My guess is that's probably what he's actually called. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, know.
1: I'm sure his mom you know, and dad like, are like, we're gonna call it different, baby. We, go, we gonna be Mika. <laughs> you gonna you gonna be a star. Oh my god. Not like all them other Micahs. I'm sure he's um, probably a perfectly nice human being.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he is. Um, <laughs> he's 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 great. Um, but no, really, the characters really annoyed me this time around. Like he was a real turd. Um, specifically, <laughs> scenes like I guess it, you know, it just struck me real specifically because a lot of narrative buy-in has to happen on this movie, right? As a sure. viewer, like y- you've really got to just sort of go with the fact that these people are a staying with each other.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh,
0: B staying in this house. C staying committed to this idea that he's after. Right, like right. You you've got to buy that kind of stuff hard. It. I was not prepared for how much he pissed me off when he like totally shames her. Do you remember?
1: He's he, like uh, refresh my memory.
0: Well, it's um, she's pushing back on the recording and the continue the persistent sort of pursuit of this thing. Sure. And he's he's like. Oh yeah. Well, why didn't you tell me on the first date that you had a demon haunting you? Or oh, on the 15th I do remember this. Da- yes, on yes, the fifteenth yes, yes. date or on the thirtieth date, I deserve this. And I was like, dang. Oh, I don't yeah, know about yeah, all of that, buddy. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so Mika really annoyed me this time
1: around. But um, he's a really annoying uh, individual. Like he's yeah. Like, well, and that's yeah. and that's one thing that I will say is somewhat of a hindrance to the to repeat viewings is I just don't really i don't really like them i don't really root for them i i like her a little bit more like i sympathize more with her but even more so than the the um you know his general annoyingness but is this total his total antagonism of this thing right this is gonna this is gonna show back up in my theme but but his total just like all right is that the best you can do Like, I got you, I got you, you know, and then he, and then he like points the Ouija board at the camera and I'm like, you're an idiot. You deserve exactly what's coming to you. You deserve everything you're about to get.
0: Furthermore, this ignores all the sequels because I haven't seen them and it doesn't matter to the point I'm trying to make right now. What if, what if he's just a real friendly demon guy? He goes around in the middle of the night. He ignores them during the day. He turns lights off. He goes into a room, he turns them on, he leaves he turns off the lights. He is trying to save them electricity bill. He just and stupid Mika goes and pours powder all over the floor. He can't help that he tracked through the upstairs maybe it's a kid demon and he just wants to cuddle up in the bed he's scared oh my he's gosh. scared of them oh like my come on man make him back
1: <laughs> off and he's antagonizing him this is what happens when casper has had his last straw this is what happens <laughs> is Casper's like, yes. you stupid humans you've been dealing yeah. with me yeah. this the wrong way i'm this not whole time. friendly anymore oh. i'm the unfriendly ghost <laughs> I was just going to play a joke with you with your keys and dancing around in the powder. But now you got to get all this. Now I'm going to blow up your Ouija board. How about that? Yeah.
0: I thought we were playing. I thought we were having fun. Yeah. Mika. Who named you Mika?
1: (laughs) What kind of name is Mika? Huh?
0: Did you name yourself that? (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. But but yes. no, like sincerely, he's like I do think that that in the in the long term is a is a hindrance to the film because while the scenes themselves the scares themselves are effectively creepy and really unnerving, he he just you so I I did. I felt like, man, you you've asked for this. Like you deserve this. You were sitting there every single stage you're poking the bear, you're not listening to her. You know, and like even when when she's like freaking out, we got to leave. We got to leave. We got to leave. He goes up, packs a suitcase, comes all the way back down. And then she's like, we'll be fine. If I was him, I was like, we are not fine. Like, no, I'm sorry. I just went and packed the suitcase. We're leaving. I no, that's that's fine. But we're going to hit the road like I'm not I'm not staying another night in this house. And I know that the film does a the film makes it pretty explicit that it that it is the demon is attached itself to her, not sure. to the house. But it is, it's like one of these things where I I read a theory somewhere online, even though this is not necessarily explicitly stated in the film, that it is his perpetual antagonizing of it and goading of it that gives it enough power to elicit as much influence as it does in the natural world that his bringing in this Ouija board and his dismissal of its general abilities is, is actually what fuels it and makes them more afraid and makes them more paranoid, which gives it power and eventually enables him to possess Katie as it were. Yeah. Mick is a a D bag. He's, he's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) I also really loved, this is just me being a real nitpicky D bag myself is that, uh, I love late in the movie like we've seen these two go through a lot already and he's it's a scene where he's antagonizing her which is basically like every scene <laughs> yeah. and she's sitting on the couch and she's got a book and she's like leave me alone I'm trying to study and I was like when are you in school I was when did gonna that say happen? it's the same thing but I was like what when are you studying for are you <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm studying for this game called life. Like Suddenly studying, you've got bro. finals that have never right, been mentioned right, in the right, entire right. thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. totally. I thought you were filming everything. Well, and then, too, I'm going <laughs> to pick on Mika again, too. Like, Do I, it. I hate this Get excuse. Him. She's all like, you promised me. I said I wouldn't buy one. I said oh, oh, yeah. buy a Ouija board. I'm like yeah. I borrowed one. Like, dude, I will take that borrowed no. Ouija board and smash it over your head. Like that is ridiculous. That is such a lame yep. excuse. Uh no, it's stupid. It's it's really, really dumb. I don't like that guy. I'm I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This has turned into a whole different episode. <laughs> this is this has got super dark. Um but no, uh <laughs> Really Paranormal
0: Activity is a happy movie about, <laughs> about a girl and her pet demon,
1: you know? No, like, no, no. It's about the bullied demon rising up and finally having enough. Right, right. This, this He's bullied like, that's it. That's like, it. I just wanted a friend. I was paying rent. You the, know? This is uh, this is really we're taking J.R. Harris's book empathy for the devil like too far now because even you, cannot, like, you
0: can never take empathy too far read
1: but but like you know even in our xenomorph episode even on alien <laughs> you know like, we're all like this is just a misunderstood creature yes. and yes. then and then it's like now we're just now we're understanding why the demon is really just a friendly demon trying to play games with them and it's like well fine if you're gonna antagonize me i'll just i'll
0: i'll just well it's, per- it's perfectly illustrated when that scene happens when they're asleep at night and the light in the hall comes on and then it goes off i was like that's a sweet guy (laughs) he's
1: that's one he just just had to go potty yeah exactly (laughs) he just had to go potty and then he turned it back off when he when when
0: he when when mika was listening to the audio and he heard the growling it was really the thing just saying i'm sorry like sorry guys (laughs) you know
1: I'm picturing this. I'm picturing this thing that's like it's it's really sweet natured and it's really kind, but but unfortunately it just has this really low voice. And so and so whenever it's trying to talk, it's just it's always trying to give affirmation, but it's right. perpetually misunderstood. It's like, "You look really nice today."
0: <laughs>
1: that shirt is That shirt <laughs> is a really good color on you. I'm oh, sorry. I'll turn the
0: light off now.
1: It's, anybody <laughs> anybody want to watch some Family Feud?
0: <laughs> oh, a game! I love a Ouija game. It's my
1: favorite. Come back. And it's it's so unfortunate because he was just playing with the Ouija board, but yeah. unfortunately, his hands ignite everything. Exactly, to fire. exactly. So, right, oh right, God. right. Yep, we've gone off the rails here at the Fear of God. <laughs> so this is just too much. Um, but see, no, he just to to him, it was just normal activity. <laughs>
0: This <laughs> is all world perspective. That's the, <laughs> that's the parody version. It's just the whole movie from his perspective, and it's just called normal activity. <laughs> he's slipping. He's slipping on the powder in the hall, like whoop 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 whoop, you know. And they're and they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna drop some powder." He's oh, uh, <laughs> like, "I just wanted to check on
1: you guys and make sure you were sleeping okay." <laughs> we're roomies we're roomies it's what roomies do and he's just walking it the reason he's getting under the cover he's like he, he's just like trying to get up there and be like hey hey guys <laughs> I'm cold. We're of we're out of milk <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: and he's scared that's why he pulls her out of bed into the hallway he's scared he's scared will of you go sleep with me <laughs>
1: I wet the bed I don't, I don't really want bed. to be alone <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared in this house <laughs>
0: <laughs> who my calls goodness. themselves Mika
1: <laughs> oh my gosh we gotta stop oh my goodness oh my oh, goodness Lord. that's no, great no, what a great movie uh, sincerely oh that's so that's just too off the rails It's way too off the rails mm. But no, like one of the, th- one of the things that I genuinely, uh, wow, this is gonna be such a hard pivot. Um, but like, we're talking about this in a jokey way, watch this deft segue that I make in a jokey way. We're talking about like, uh, you know how, Oh, he was really just misunderstood and then he got antagonized. But I think that's one of the things that I really latched onto of this viewing of the film is this idea about how, you know, we talked in insidious last week about how kind of naively one might almost say innocently because you're not afraid enough you can wander too far right so that that's one way of looking at it but i think there's also a sort of a a way to approach a similar subject where it's almost like from a daredevil perspective like the the invulnerability complex where you're like well, you know i'm i'm fine it's not going to hurt me it's not going to like this thing that i'm messing around with i i have, i have no reason to be afraid i have no even though every body around you might say hey this is dangerous don't mess with this or this is uh risky don't wander into this but we just feel too too arrogant too emboldened as it were too above it like it just staggers me i'm i have trouble tracking throughout the course of the film whether or not mika genuinely believes in what's happening right because you know, like, he hears this thing... This is what this is what drives me nuts about his mentality here, is he hears this thing, he's like, you want me to get a Ouija board? And then he hears the growl that's like, yeah, sure, you know, so... And he's like... <laughs> he hears the little Ouija board growl, and then it is after that that he actually gets the Ouija board and actually tries to... So it's like, part of me... There's a way to read the first part of this film where it's like, he doesn't really believe it. And because he doesn't really buy it, it doesn't take... But But I think it's less... That he doesn't believe it, in that he doesn't take it seriously. He doesn't handle it seriously. Oh, totally. And, and and I think that's something that is really worth cautioning each and every one of us about certain subjects where it's like, hey, don't don't take this lightly. Don't take this situation or don't take this circumstance that you find yourself in. Don't be willy nilly about it. Uh, I feel like there's sometimes where people just get so emboldened in their language or their attitude that they don't treat the situation or discussion on the table with the proper care and respect. And I think that's part of what this film is scratching at is this notion of how, yeah, you can believe in a thing, you can acknowledge it and still really not give it the serious level of attention and caution and concern that it deserves. And, um, and I think that's something that, that, Many, many people, maybe everybody, are at risk of potentially doing. Oh, yeah, I'm, it's not that big of a deal. Somebody warns you about something, and you're like, uh, "This, uh, I, 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 yeah, that may be a problem for everybody else. It's not a problem for me. I'm fine. Like, I'll be, I'll be able to handle it, or I'll just, I'll just take care of it if a problem really comes down." Not realizing that you're really messing with something that is far beyond your control right. or your capacity to understand. And uh, yeah, there's a whole slew of places that we could go to that. Uh, with that idea uh, into the netherworld. Well, and I think that, you know, we often talk on the show about
0: the difference between kind of mm, maybe discernment and recklessness. I don't know if. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Discernment is the counter, the counterpoint I'm looking for there, but like what happens to um, Mika is (laughs) it's having self-awareness being cognizant of the scenario you're in and then there's reckless antagonism of the situation you're in right and 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 what that exacerbates what it can create if it's not already there you know i mean it is arguable that it's a whether or not it's a loss when he gets taken out at the end of the movie and i don't totally mean that joking just because he is kind of the antagonist you know i mean sure yeah mm-hmm. i mean we're meant to root for them more or less but he's the one that keeps pushing it the wrong
1: direction and i think if we're looking at this in a i mean i wasn't joking when i said there's a multitude of places we could go and i want to be sort of cognizant of of uh time and and not just sort of overriding the film with my own thoughts and feelings, but. You know I think about that when I think about the arrogance that we can too easily fall into just just as people as as human beings looking at most socio political issues, the arrogance that we can slide into to say like i'm gonna I'm gonna go to politics but not necessarily to something that somebody might initially suspect, like in conversations about nuclear armament or disarmament and Casually talking in arrogant language about and I'm not talking about necessarily our just our administration, but any any global power that would speak about such a subject in such dismissive terms like, oh, it's a it's a it's a big button fire and fury, all that kind of thing. And and in many ways, what I would describe kind of poke the bear and kind of say, like, you know, oh, flippantly flippantly speak of matters that would be utterly devastating And I wonder sometimes in that same degree, I wonder, it's just a question. It's not an accusation. It's not condemnation. It's just a question. When I hear language like that, or I hear responses like that, I don't doubt that they would understand or believe the possibilities at play. But I severely doubt if they would, if they take them seriously, do you take seriously this issue that's at hand? Like, and and I hear it in a number of things. I hear it. In such a wide array of um, political conversations, whether we're talking about the the debate over choice versus life, whether we're talking about the debate about guns in this country, whether we're talking about the debate about you know, nuclear armament and foreign policy, um, talking about immigration, all of these different subjects that we're talking about, it is easy for people on both sides of the fence to present their opinion in a very uh i i'm I'm looking for a word here, and I'm struggling to find one in a very dismissive or uh satirical way that makes me wonder if they genuinely are taking the issue seriously like do you understand sure. the ramifications of what you've just said sure, um, sure and and i and I do indict both sides of the fence on that, even though I would probably depending on the issue would tilt one side or the other. I do indict both sides with with the capacity to be very reductive and very dismissive of the seriousness and complication of the issue and in a sense they're you know documenting it and they are they're they're filming it and they are dis- researching about it or describing it and they've got all kinds of facts and informations just like Mika and Katie in the film they've got all this sort of information but they're not really taking seriously the issue at hand and the danger that they're in by not taking it seriously Right. And and then when the time comes, this scene chilled me the first time I watched it. And it it it's to me is one of the most chilling scenes in the film is when they call that doctor, that um, spiritualist. Yeah, when they call him back and yeah. he walks in and he's just steps in. And he's like, I have to leave like I right. can't be here. Right. This demon is getting angry at my presence here. There's no sound effects in that moment. There's nothing. But that's one of the most terrifying scenes in the film to me. Because of his just basic reaction of like, oh, okay, this is gone too far. I can't. Sure, I can't help sure. you. This is really not my area of expertise and I have to leave. And it, it does. It rises something up in me to recognize that like, wow, you can take, you can be so playful with a, with a very serious subject to get to the point to where even the people who could have in an earlier stage have helped you, have helped scale us back. Now it's like it's reached a point to where sure. the, 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 the demon, I'm putting this in air quotes that listeners sure. can't see, but the demon has now become too angry, too vicious, too hungry, too powerful. And now uh, it, there's, there's really no scaling back from it. And, uh, and I worry about some of the issues in our, in our country right now. I worry, have they reached this tipping point? to where now even the the ambassadors even the diplomats who would show up and try to reconcile and try to bridge build uh step into the arena and 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 where i'm going with this so that i'm not being too vague for the listeners is i'm thinking about things on like social media like i used to be a big champion for like hey let me step into the conversation and let me say something about it on social media to try to be you know reconciling to try to be diplomatic and try to sort of converse with people of differing opinions and now i'm like this has gotten too aggressive this has gotten too angry this has gotten too heated uh even my presence here is only going to make things worse so i'm out sure. Y'all. Sure. <laughs> you know and and i think about that sometimes with some of these issues is does it reach a point to where even the reconcilers were like peace like it's gone it's gone too far and i can't wow. i can't do anything with it and i do well, think that's ra- possible
0: yes I do this more often than I care to admit, mainly because it's not healthy for me, but there's a there's a particular sort of, I would say ultra, he might just say conservative blogger person. And what began as just sort of an a curiosity about, okay, let me kind of keep myself informed about what someone very different than me is thinking about all of this stuff and there's a separate thread of conversation that could be had here about feeding the social media beast in terms of our output and how the snake starts eating its tail and that sort of thing. But you, I'm going to try to tie this into where I think you were going a minute ago. I will read this person's writings sometimes with an admitted raised eyebrow. But at the same time, there are moments where I'm like, you are so far out on an Island in terms of your language mm-hmm. and the topic and the, the rhetorical argumentation that got you there that I don't even know how to unpack it. You know what I mean? Like it's sure, what you're describing, right. like when the reconciler, I loved what you said there when the reconciler shows up and even admits there's no help here because you've so tangled it all up. Yeah, you know, you've, right. you've pushed, you've pushed too you hard. You've so and if we use political language, you've so polarized, you've so intentionally pushed further and further out, you've you've exacerbated the beast, you've you've antagonized it to the point that what will it take but in some cases a death to to bring this back metaphorically speaking. You know what I mean? Like you've got those yeah, personalities on, on either side. Um, some might say I'm there. I, God, I hope not. And I would ask you, my friend, Reed, off podcast to help talk me back from that if that's the case. But, you know, you just have those personalities you see operating in the media right now. Specifically, I'm thinking media, I'm, although I'm sure just political arena in general, where it's like, how do you even have a human conversation now? Like, right you're so far out there and you're yeah. so what is ostensibly a normal human b- person you know like you look normal <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah. but the the thought processes as they're presented are so entrenched and so interwoven on so if i can use this word incestuous with so many other topics that to unpack it is near impossible. Sure. Much much yeah. less if the willingness even existed. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just trying to, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm rambling, but the point I'm trying to do is or make is to glom onto what you were saying of when we keep antagonizing a thing, when we keep, when we don't seek peace.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: When, when
1: we aren't the reconciler, there is a, <sighs> I actively did not want to bring this up on pod, but I will I will, it. No, I will mention it in passing because there was a line in it that has really stayed with me. Um, so I watched a documentary. It is a documentary that, while I would probably give it five stars, is very difficult and painful to recommend um, for reasons that'll be obvious in a second. It's called, The documentary is called Lake of Fire, and it is about the issue of Abortion. That's the subject of this documentary. There is no external commentary like in a Michael Moore documentary where there, you know, somebody is narrating a piece. It is just a sequence of interviews about the subject. It is two and a half hours long. And by one of the most from my uh, from my opinion, from my perspective, one of the most balanced documentaries I've ever seen on any subject in terms of the amount of time it gives to the despairing opinions to the to the differing sides of things but the reason i bring it up because if you're listening to the people who are kind of pushing the pro choice thing there is a ton of humanity and a ton of sympathy and a ton of logic to what they're saying and and then you have some you know centrists in there who are just sort of more sociologically looking at the situation and then there are some i i described for you some things off pod where i was like there were some moments in this film where i have never felt so hard extreme right like pro-life than than i ever have you know um <clears throat> so the the documentary as a whole will send you through um a roller coaster of emotions gut-wrenching devastating all of those things but there was a line in there where somebody said i wonder If and this will tie back into the subject we're talking about right now, said, I wonder sometimes if the pro lifers really do want the situation to go away, because if it goes away, what do they have to be mad at? What do they have left to to fight against? Now, this was again, I want to stress that this documentary is very well balanced. It gives a ton of uh, voice to a ton of people. But that statement shook me. Because they were in and, and the segment that it came in, in the, in the documentary made a really compelling case where it's like on a certain level, they need to be against a thing. But if the thing that they're against completely vanishes, what do they have left to fuel elections? What do they have right, left right. to fuel platforms and sure and uh, and discussed? And and it was it's interesting in this kind of conversation is. Jesus asked, this is not the scripture that I had in mind, but maybe it's the more appropriate one. Jesus asked the man who was crippled by the pool of Bethesda, There was a pool where once a year it was the waters would be troubled and the first one into the pool would be healed of whatever their ailment was. And this man had been by the pool of Bethesda for a number of years. I forget how many, and I don't have the scripture pulled up, but he was uh, by the pool for a number of years and was still crippled. And Jesus approached this man, and the question Jesus asked this man is, do you want to be well? And I wonder, I say with no irony or uh, you know my tongue is not in my cheek when i ask i wonder sometimes when i look at the issues facing our nation and us as human beings and i wonder if the same question is not before us do you want sure. to be well sure do sure. you want to be well because and i'm not saying that one side or other on the issue is correct but no, the divide it. the divide has grown so wide that i i feel like sometimes i would look at both sides as like do you, do you want to be well do you want this fixed Or do you just want your side to be validated and right? And do you do you no longer want to have a conversation? Do you no longer want to have education on the issue? Do you no longer want to see the other side of the fence as people and as human beings who have likely come to the same to to a different conclusion than you through a different set of processes? But do you even want dialogue and reconciliation to happen? Or do you just want to continue to poke the bear, to goad the beast, to prove that you are smarter, sharper, or more powerful than this thing that you can't even see and touch and do not know the boundaries of its power and effect on you. And I wonder sometimes if we if we do not get very serious about the the work of reconciliation, if we do not get very serious about the work of bridge building, and if we do not get very serious about the work of empathy, if we will not soon find ourselves hurled backwards into the room sure. <laughs> as it were yeah, uh, yeah and and smashed with nothing left uh nothing with none of our strength or wit or tools to save us from what we have unleashed upon ourselves it, it it's an alarming thought but one that i think is uh, uh if if you don't mind uh cuz we probably need to to wind down um i'll i'll bring in very briefly the story that uh that it made me think of. It's a, it's a brief story. I'm going to read the passage. It's from acts chapter 19. It is a story about, uh, the ministry of Paul when he was working, uh, just a a supreme amount of miracles. I'm going to read a a lengthy passage of scripture. And then the story will kind of speak for itself. Acts chapter 19 verses 11 through, I'm going to read through about the 16th verse. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him, were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord over those who were demon-possessed, and they would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14 says, Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this, and one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And Paul I know about, but who are you? And verse 16, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It's a bit of an unusual story and certainly not like a bumper sticker bullet point, but it illustrates something that I feel very serious about, which is sometimes we can see a trend going a particular way and we want to capitalize on that trend. Or we want to, in the conversation, like, maybe we don't want the problem to go away, because if the problem goes away, then what do we have left? And so we want to sort of use that current situation for our own betterment, for our own gain, for our own pride. And it chills me to the bone, perhaps more than anything in Paranormal Activity, this line where the evil spirit says back to them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then just beats the fool out of them. I do think... Whatever you feel about the the subject of malevolence in the world at large, active malevolence, I think it is entirely possible, and we need to take very seriously, that we can push some things too far to where they, they have now gotten away from us. Our own sure. rage, our own grief, they have now gotten away from us, and unless we stop, and I mean dead, stop, and begin taking it more seriously then uh yeah, the the reconcilers may be unable to to bring us back. And I don't say that glibly. I say sure. that very seriously. That like yeah, we may reach a point of no return if we are not if we are not careful. Ooh. <sighs> um I know. Paranormal activity, y'all.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think about that a good bit because while I do consume a lot more news than I ever have in my life and I'm not prone towards despondency. There are moments where you're like, we are pushing too hard in opposite directions and it will have some kind of catastrophic result, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Regardless. Yeah. (laughs) Little, uh, little, little, what are we going to call this guy? He's not Jimmy. No, he's just uh, just having his his normal activity going around (laughs) late night bathroom visits. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, until he just gets too mad and then, uh, then, uh, then it's all over and done with, but uh, you know, sincerely, uh, I, I think it's worth considering about, uh, you know, just how you, how you approach serious, serious subjects should be approached seriously. Dangerous subjects should be approached with caution and if you are one who is, you know, constantly goading or poking the bear, then I would seriously consider toning back your rhetoric, toning back your language. Uh, start the active work of bridge building and reconciliation before it is too late. So end end of sermonizing, I'm stepping off of my soapbox. Look up a soapbox if you don't understand what it is or what it means. Um, but uh, I think for, for time's sake, uh, unless you had anything burning to say, let's bring in old uh, old. David S. Pumpkins. Let's do it. All right. So, so as go I'm gonna do this part. As we
0: do every movie we watch, we rate these flicks on a unique to fear of God metric, that of numbers of David S. Pumpkins in these in the um, categories of style, scares, and substance. For our ultimate Blumhouse hashtag candy coated water drop series featuring paranormal activity read what do you give this film in the style category
1: you know I, i'm actually gonna i'm actually gonna go kind of high because i think the the there's some inventive things about this film in very subtle ways so i'm i'm actually i don't think it's perfect but i'm actually gonna go four and a half for style because, wow. Yeah, because I think there's some inventive things. I think it does a ton with very little. As much as I would ding that I, like, I'm like. i really annoyed by the, the Mika character, things like those night shots and what it does with sound are really inventive, and, and I'm going to give it some props for that. Um,
0: I applaud those props. I will not go that high.
1: I will land at a three and a half,
0: um, which I think is for the exact same reasons you did.
1: So what do you give it for scares then? This is hard because the first time I saw it, I would have rated it quite
0: robustly. Um, I think the atmosphere of those night shots and what they kind of pull off visually with some of the interactions of the monster thing, I'm also going to land at a three and a half on
1: scares. All right. I am going to temper my my style rating just slightly and give it a four for scares. I think it's very effective, but I think even for myself, who was still kind of creeped out with all the lights off and everything, I think those scares diminish pretty significantly with yes. multiple viewings. Um, so that's why I ding it down a little bit for a four. Um, in the area of substance, I think this is one of those cases that happens frequently with uh, the fear of God where I feel like, uh, we bring a you know a certain amount to the material, not necessarily inherent to the material. Uh, other people with different mind frames might walk away with different thoughts or different feelings. So, for substance, I'm gonna I'm gonna land at a I'm gonna say a, a three and a half. Three and a half feels right for me for substance.
0: Well, in keeping with the rest of these numbers, I'm gonna trail you, brother, and land at a
1: three for substance. All right, all right. Um, so that brings us to. Seven out of ten, David S. Pumpkins. So that is our, you know, appears to be our favorite measurement that we ever give to <laughs> to to any film. Um, but it's it's solid. I think that the film, especially if you've never seen it, I would say it's terribly effective. Yes, and, it is very worth a first uh, uh, an initial viewing. Oh, absolutely. And I think you'll be quite terrified upon an initial viewing. It might dwindle down a little bit if you've if you've seen it already. It may not hold up quite as effectively as it did before. But um, but yeah, uh, it made for what I feel is a pretty pretty good conversation. Nathan. Read, we did it. We did it. We made it through Blumhouse and uh, and we made it all. Another away. series in the books. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so listeners, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. Stay tuned for our social media cues and uh, check out uh, social media to find out where we are going next week. Uh, but in the meantime, Nathan thank you so much as always for having this conversation with me. So, uh, so make sure when you go to bed, you tuck yourself in real tight, no legs dangling outside of the bed. Uh, and, uh, and we will uh, see you guys next week. Bye everybody. See you guys.
0: the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but it is not the end of the conversation to continue this conversation you can follow us on twitter at the fear of god visit us on facebook to comment on one of our posts or to post there yourself you can follow reed on twitter at reed lackey you can follow nathan on twitter at the nathan rouse visit more than one lesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the official episode posts Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.